This is podcast number 335, entitled The Big Street, and you've just heard the single from about 1971-72 by Bill Withers entitled Use Me, and today's cast is about imputation and the um, limits or lack of limits, the effectiveness, the power, the majesty, the depth and the death of imputation in human life. And it was spurred first by a movie that Mary and I saw about two weeks ago entitled The Big Street from 1941 with um, Henry Fonda and Lucille Ball, among others, and also by a meme that I uh, um, apparently... um, was the product, uh, the, the author of, sort of, that appeared in a Dallas, Texas classroom, elementary school classroom behind the piano, in which the um, editor of One's Thoughts has boiled down uh, my theology to the following, and it's actually very apt, and I was very honored to see it. Grace is one, he writes, is one-way love. Watch other people. You will see it over and over. One way love lifts up. One way love cures. One way love transforms. It is the change agent of life. Well, I'd like to argue that, and I'd like to express it in as simple um, a way as I uh, possibly can. You know, I am constantly listening to sermons that other people preach, and many of the ones I hear are, um, are... what I would call very fine and orthodox in their theology and biblical, and I wouldn't have a single objection 
to um, what I hear, but the characteristic mistake that almost everybody makes is length. It's just too long. They just, when they're, they've really finished, they, they have one final point that they were thought of and they can't resist the temptation, which is very normal, but also very harmful to the effect of the message, to put in one more thought. I, I, there are very few exceptions. Now, Paula White is, another, is, an, is a completely different classification because she's um, listening to God up there and she's moving as she feels, as she's led. She has scriptures by the cartload, but she's, um, she's, she's sort of listening to find her way. And, um, you know, you listen to her and you can listen for two hours and you say to yourself when she's finished, you know, I wish she'd gone on. <laughs> so something uh, is quite different, but I'm trying here to stick to one particular idea. And the idea is really imputation and the power. Are there any limits to it? Um, let me say what the classic theological um, um, imputation is when you regard someone and address them and react to them and actually act completely when you're in relationship to them as if they were something that they really aren't in objective fact. In other words, if you observe the person, he or she is nervous and um, tense and uh, a little bit uh, abstemious and to the point of being controlling and impossible, whatever you want to say, or envious or gossipy or totally angry or whatever you want to say, and you somehow are given you might almost say by a decision that comes inwardly, it's usually some form of love, to treat them as if they weren't the alienating way that they are. And you find in almost all cases that if you are given, it's a gift, consistently to impute what St. Paul calls righteousness to a sinner, that is to say to impute fine and splendid, delightful qualities to someone who is in fact not by no means fine and very craven and not at all fun to be with, you find that some extraordinary transaction happens. We call it the change, or I should say I call it the the change agent of life by which the person actually begins to become the qualities that you have been um, presenting, uh, giving this person. Um, the uh, uh, J.B. Priestley play, I think it's called Last Act, is it? About uh, when Alec Guinness uh, treats everyone in the place. Uh, uh, he's dying, and for some reason he treats everybody in the sort of uh, kind of uh, Brighton-type uh, residence hotel that he goes into. He treats them as, as Christ would have treated them, and they actually all become that way, or in my... Uh, my favorite play, that is because of its ridiculous and, and marvelous obscure title called The Passing of the Third Floor Back by, um, you know who it's by, the fellow with the um, uh, greatest name in all uh, early 20th century fiction, Jerome K. Jerome, when the Christ figure comes again to a slightly seedy but having illusions of grandeur um, uh, boarding house in London, and he treats people as they are not. He treats them as uh, uh, ugly as if they're beautiful, and uh, cowardly as if they were courageous, and uh, uh, petty as if they were large-minded, and all of the people in the place are transformed. It's a powerful parable of imputation. Now, I want to go one step further, though, because the traditional um, rejoinder to this is that um, if you treat someone that way, they may take advantage. In other words, if you love them gracefully and always forgive them and treat them as if they haven't done or been the thing they've done or the quality they've evinced, that you um, 
have sort of permitted, they, they, they may take advantage and they say, oh my gosh, he, he doesn't see what my real motives are. I can do anything. And you get walked over. And often this is the accusation of what people will say, oh, well, your teaching is antinomian. That is, it's contrary to the law. You're telling people something, you're treating the way they aren't. Uh, you need to, and you're going to get used. Um, with God, you know, if God forgives us everything we do and we become Christians and we keep doing the same darn thing we were doing before, well, you're taking advantage of God or you're presuming on God and uh, God doesn't work that way. He, he won't be taken advantage of. Well, there's a truth in that at some deep level, but in practice in human life, it is not the case that people take advantage ultimately. And I want to give you an example, ask you to think about it. Who's treated you um, in this manner? Who has looked at you and, and seen, especially at your lower moments, your anxious moments, your depressed moments, your polemical moments, your self-involved moments, who has treated you as if you really weren't that way and continued to stand by you and not uh, reflected uh, extreme diffidence and ultimately rejection because of these alienating qualities that you possess? Um, someone has probably treated you that way. It was a father figure, an uncle figure, a teacher, a grandmother, an aunt, a friend, probably not a friend, maybe a friend at some point, a woman if you're a man in romance or a man if you're a woman in romance. Uh, someone has seen in you things that you didn't know you had and you somehow came to embody the very things they saw which you did not have and you did not know you have but in fact come to find out by the grace of God they grew in you through imputation. Now this um, uh, Picture of life was uh, was to an almost perfect um, degree exemplified in a short story that was written by Damon Runyon. One of his later short stories called Little Pinks, P-I-N-K-S, Little Pinks, and I recommend it very heartily. You can get it um, on Project Gutenberg. You can find it very easily, a PDF of it. Um, Little Pinks, and uh, Little Pinks, a little story towards the end of uh, his output, or a later story by Runyon, was then um, Runyon himself produced the movie version of it. And the movie version of Runyon's story, Runyon is one of my heroes, one of the great American literary figures by f without any question. He's O. Henry. In my way of thinking, there's even more to him than O. Henry, but you can decide. Read his story. Start with Lily of St. Pierre. Um, but... Um, or the hottest man in the world, but um, he decided, he was extremely successful at this point in his career, in 1941, I think it was, to produce his uh, film, Little Pinks, starring, uh, gave it the highest possible treatment. It's not a B-movie. Uh, it was called The Big Street, based on that short story, and it starred Henry Fonda and uh, Lucille Ball. And it tells the story, and the movie is uh, true to the uh, to the short story. It tells the story of a man uh, who uh, is absolutely and totally enthralled and in love with and completely gives his, his all his human self to the good of a obnoxious, selfish, greedy, mean, cantankerous, um, unstoppably self-involved and using 
um, singer, uh, kind of cabaret star who everybody, all the rich, uh, sort of rich older men are vying for her because she's beautiful, but she's absolutely impossible. And uh, portrayed by Lucille Ball, this is before the I Love Lucy, Lucille Ball. Lucille Ball really took a real role here. Um, she's always good, but this is a little serious. She, um, she, continues to portray a, a truly lost soul, a truly wicked woman, right up to the end. But um, let me say what happens. The uh, Henry Fonda figure, who's a busboy in the restaurant attached to the sort of high-class 21 kind of New York nightclub where this woman is uh, rules the roost, and uh, she's a singer and, again, always wearing a mint coat that a new gentleman admirer has given her. And uh, he had calls her her... her your highness, and he worships her, will do anything for her. But then something terrible happens. Damon Runyon starts funny, and as he said, first you make him laugh, then you make him cry. And then this horrible woman is, is beaten up uh, uh, by an awful man who's upset with her, and rightly upset, but not rightly beating her up, and because uh, she's jilted him in a very crass and uh, no-warning way publicly. And uh, She's knocked to the ground off some stairs, and she is uh, paralyzed. Her spine is broken, and uh, she's completely paralyzed and unable to uh, move her body uh, below her waist and for good. And um, the um, movie goes on to show how the Henry Fonda character, Little Pinks, proceeds to love her and treat her and continue. he always calls her your highness and he treats her as if she's the greatest queen in the entire world and has flowers always gives what little money he has 100% of it to her care finally gets her down through a remarkable uh, act of generous uh, daffiness that makes sense when you actually see it enacted in the movie um, he gets her down to Miami in hopes that she might find her. She's now become very depressed and extreme, not only petulant more than ever, but also very upset, crying all the time. And he takes her to Miami in hopes that she may find a new way forward. And when she's down there, she lies terribly in order to get the affections of a rich man that she knows. She lies to him completely and takes him in, even while Little Pinks is doing everything for her. And, um, Little Pinks never stops. And he's constantly, he's said that he's finally taken aside by two or three very good people who are wonderful, including a woman played by Agnes Moorhead, a friend of his who's, who's down in Miami, who's just wonderful. And she says, Little Pinks, stop this. You're destroying yourself. She's not worth it. She's the world's worst person. You, you, you will only be destroyed yourself if you continue to give to this extent to this woman. You're, this is a one-way street. One-way love. Well, um... You see the movie. It's available on Netflix and Amazon Prime uh, from 1942, The Big Street. He loves it to the end. And uh, her response to his love is finally just justifies it. Her response is like, uh, uh, you know, Peter denying Christ three times and saying on the Sea of Galilee, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. And uh, Jesus saying, you know, feed my sheep, come, I'm still your friend, and uh, I'm still the one. I'm the one, da-da-da-da-da, ooh-ooh-ooh, honey, the one that you want. Uh, this is extraordinary. And he, his imputation in the worst possible scenario of um, defeated imputing love produces a remarkably moving and ultimately successful conclusion. 
So I want you to see that movie because it answers the classic question that especially Reformed theologians have always presented, and Roman Catholic as well, but in a different form, um, against a pure grace or what they would call Lutheran grace because it... Um, it shows us that even in the worst possible situations where the imputor is um, giving all and receiving nothing back by way of transformed life, even then, it ultimately, it's the change agent of life. Now, I'm sure there's some exceptions. I'm sure there's some psychotic individuals who... Uh, who take advantage and, you know, and actually become axe murderers against the imputor. But see uh, the big street, and you'll see one of the most powerful examples of imputation ever put on the screen. Well, that's really um, what I wanted to say. I just had one idea today. Um, let me read it again. Grace is one-way love. Watch other people. You will see it over and over. Parenthetically, it's true by observation. It's empirically verifiable. You will see it over and over. This is me talking in the meme. One way love lifts up, cures, and transforms. It is the change agent of life. So um, obviously I could say, well, why don't you get, get cracking with ever, whoever is in your life who's impossible. But don't start there. That, that will happen of its own. Rather get back, the Beatles, get back to where you yourself received a dose of one-way love and feel the way it began to shift your spirit. And suddenly, almost beside yourself, you began to show a little love and a little consideration and a little um, altruism that had simply never been there prior to the one-way love of transformation. That's my thought. Love you so much. This has been Podcast 335, and now you're going to hear uh, one of the great, great uh, um, shining Motown examples of, uh, of one-way love as it's meant to be romantically. Thank you.